Yes, there's Becky. So she's going to do the particulars for the hybrid before we get started here. Um, I have a dead computer. So basically, uh, this is a hybrid meeting. And um, with that, um, we will um, be broadcasting it on YouTube and uh, cable channel 25. And the city does have the, the right to um, turn off cameras um, uh, to avoid distractions on, on that note. If you're not um, participating in the meeting, please turn off your camera to um, avoid that distraction. And um, uh, the city, uh, I think that covers it. I've said it so many times, I think I can say it verbatim, verbatim but uh, that, I think that covers those hybrid rules. All right, thank you, Becky. Um, so uh, this is our mid-month uh, study session. Um, but before we get started on that, um, uh, Becky Pepper is going to go through some upcoming agenda items. Yes. Um, so our March meeting is um, uh, looking a lot different than our February meeting. Um, we do have on the legal, we have um, uh, on that Monday, um, uh, planning commission meeting and as my computer boots up, Jeff, could you help me with those dates exactly? March um, 20th and 22nd. Thank you. So Monday, March uh, 20th, we have slated for um, wind regs discussion if uh, directed, um, uh, if that's ready to, to proceed either for discussion or recommendation, that's that, that's available. And then on Wednesday, we um, uh, have... Um, uh, the items on the agenda. And if you will let me here, just log in real quick. Basically, it's fewer items. It is fewer items. There are, and it just one more second, and I will be able to tell you exactly what we've got. Um, we have a preliminary plat um, that was uh, deferred from a, a previous meeting uh, on the agenda. This one would be for um, uh, residential development. It's proposing 146 um, single family lots. Um, that will look a little familiar to you because previous, uh, previously you've seen an annexation and rezoning requests associated with those properties. Um, and then we have a, another rezoning request um, in uh, the city of Lawrence. This is uh, for property in North Lawrence that's um, proposing rezoning from an industrial zoning district to a commercial zoning district. And then there are two applications for the county. Um, there's a rezoning request um, for property that's split, split zoned um, uh, light industrial with kind of a sliver of agri uh, uh, agricultural zoning. And so this request would be to give it a uniform uh, industrial zoning. And then there is a CUP for a center use in the county. That's our brief overview of our agenda for, uh, for Monday or Wednesday, pardon me. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so Gary Rexroad is is out of town and is hopefully going to listen. Um, so that's why I'm 
chairing the meeting uh, this morning. Um, this meeting was advertised as no public comment for this time, and we want to give full time toward the discussion for our study session. Um, but at the before the end, I will watch the clock, um, and I, we will definitely have a discussion. I know this is a concern for um, some people I've talked to to talk about the timeline. Um, to talk about March 20th um, and how we're moving forward with this and the, the time span we're going to be discussing this. So I promise to, to end at some point so we can have that discussion. So um, Sandy and Cece, would you like to take on an introduction yeah. to this? Um, Sandy Day, okay. the item that you have before you this morning is the same text amendment that's been published now for a little while. Um, the difference uh, in this particular version that you saw in your packet is that a lot of the public comment that we've received, um, we've embedded that into the proposed regulation. So you can see where the public is commenting on different aspects of the proposed regulation. We don't have a, a a long or full presentation for you this morning because we really want you to have the opportunity to start digging into the discussion. Um, we've held a number of uh, different types of public meetings. Uh, we had a, a big public meeting here. God, when was that? January? Open house? Yeah, uh, no, that's the big meeting. I'm kind of losing track of dates. Um, where we had over 100 people attend that meeting. We had the open house more recently and where we um, put up a couple of, of questions for the public to respond to. Um, and um, that's kind of the heart of the discussion that we prepared a little um, kind of discussion guide for you if you want to use this or if you want to um, forge your own path, you're, you're certainly more than welcome to do that. The uh, survey question that we had out there was related to height and noise and setback and CC's got some wonderful graphics that were in your packets that kind of summarized all of that public commentary that we had. Uh, on those things. And I don't know, CC, if you want to go over So there was, um, since we last saw the planning commission on when, there's been sort of two separate things that happened. Um, there was a 60 day public comment period that started whenever the draft was first posted and ended February 5th. Those are the 101 comments that are at the very end of the packet. And then the recommendations that came from those public comments, so the specific um, recommended changes members of the public had, that's the blue integrated text in the um, draft dated 12-14 at the top. And then the <clears throat> survey, Sandy's speaking to, so at the open house that I believe was January 30th, um, held in Riverfront, there were about 35 folks who came to that open house meeting and we had um, posters on the wall with um, questions that we asked relating to, as Sandy said, height, noise, and setback. There's photos of the um, posters that we have on the wall in your packet. Um, and the information came back with the graft pages on the packet, page seven and eight. 
Um, and that wasn't relating to <clears throat> what number folks were interested in having the setback be. It was instead, or noise or height, it was instead addressing how it's regulated that currently we have um, in the 1214 draft, height is regulated by hub height as proposed, noise is regulated by total um, highest permitted sound, um, and setback is permitted or is regulated by distance and feet. And so we were through reading through different regulations, seeing that those three things are regulated in three different ways, interested in hearing how the public sort of weighed those different varieties. And then the survey was also published online on the Wind Ridge website. And then there were another 30 or so people who responded. So 60 total respondents to that survey question. Um, with that, if you have some specific questions of us, we're happy to try and answer those. Um, if you're looking for additional um, information or research, we'll make a list of those things and see what we can get to between now and the next time you decide you want to talk about this. So with that, I think we're going to step back for a moment and let you launch into fun and games. Okay. Well, um, I would suggest um, for our discussion that we kind of go by categories instead of just a scattershot um, of questions. But of course, they'll be um, make sure that there's time for those detailed questions at the end. Um, so does that sound like a plan? We'll just take these big topics one by one and at least cover those. And, um, and then we'll have time for um, some of the more detailed ones. So of course, height, noise, and setback are the big issues. Um, so would somebody like to get started on comments? Um, any kind of comments for the height of the turbines? I'd like to start so with the difference between hub height and total height. Okay. As we increase hub height, are we increasing blade length? So generally, as far as like manufacturer specifications go, it tends to be that whenever the hub height gets taller, there's then more room for the blades to get longer. And um, the sort of taller the machine, there tends to be more energy, um, higher energy rating. So you'll see like two megawatts, three megawatts, up to the like five megawatts that are sometimes located more so in the ocean. So Generally, yes, in the current draft of the regulations, there is not a maximum height um, regulated other than sort of de facto by hub height and a minimum clearance. Um, the feedback we got largely from the public was that um, hub height, especially that in meters, um, was confusing or otherwise not of interest, that folks had strong feelings that they wanted a maximum height listed so that they could expect exactly what might be there. I've looked through um, various manufacturer specifications for between an 80 meter hub height and 110 as currently proposed in the draft. What would that look like at a maximum height? And it's around 500 to 600 feet. So in keeping in line with an 80 meter hub height, currently maximum permitted, if you're looking at total height, 
It's not always the same because every manufacturer makes them a little bit different, but it would be as if riding a 500 maximum height. If you wanted to lean more on the <clears throat> 110, that's about a 600 maximum height. Good foot. I think about 600 and I keep going back to the tall tower on the KU campus, which is 630 feet high. <laughs> And just imagining that height scattered around of things this bulky is a little daunting to say the least. <laughs> but so it is helpful. So if we go up the help height, the limiting factor is going to be the distance between the blade and the ground is going to be the limiting factor on the length of those turbine blades. Correct. And that's set uh, mostly in part by discussions with the emergency services and asking what they found appropriate both for their um, equipment to go under, but also um, looking at other regulations. Not all regulations include a minimum clearance, but those that did fell pretty in line with what we have proposed, which I think is 50 feet. That's, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, I'll be watching for hands online here too. So if um, any of the commissioners online um, have a comment. I think we have to express it in total height. For people to know what it is, it has to be in feet. So if it's going to be 600 feet tall is the maximum, then let's just say in feet, however that blade tip is, I, I think it is. I don't know how many people think in terms of meters, but I don't think most people do. So let's just say feet. It's going to be, you could have something out there 600 feet tall. Then the other thing, before we go on, the other thing is several comments were about, let's look at industry standards. And I think, well, let's see, industry standards, is that what we should look at when we were talking about smoking, what the industry standards were? or we were talking about asbestos, when we could use that, are we talking about mercury and the fillings in our teeth? Are we talking, we are gonna set industry standards. We don't need to go with whatever industry standards are now. We are gonna make, I think, we need to make our own industry standards for Douglas County. And I think where we talk about leading uh, in Kansas, in the country that Douglas County, I think we have an opportunity to do that and say, here are the standards that we think are appropriate and doing things in, in uh, feet rather than meters. That's one of the things we certainly, in my opinion, need to do, need to write it that way. Commissioner Kelso. I would agree with Charlie's last comment that uh, because of uh, the choices the U.S. has made throughout the years to not switch over to the metric system, we should be in feet, not meters. So it is confusing to swap back and forth throughout the entire document. And this is a question out of my own, uh, I'll say ignorance or short time on the commission. What other items when out in the county away from populated areas away from the cities do we regulate total height on such as uh whether it's a cell tire which i know those get improved individually or a silo 
or a grain storage facility, things like that. What are the maximum heights on those? And and I agree with Charlie that the maximum height should be tip of the blade at the top to the to the ground, not hub height. I can take a stab at answering that question. Sandy Day. Um, the county regulates pipe of all structures, um, one way or another, and I don't know all of those off the top of my head. Uh, cell towers, communication, wireless telecommunication structures um, have uh, a height associated with them through the conditional use permit, uh, as well as through federal permitting for FAA and lighting and those kinds of things. Uh, dwellings have a height requirement. Accessory structures, so silos, barns, uh, those kinds of structures all have heights. If you have um, a ham radio, uh, there are some requirements in the county code about the height of those kinds of things. So height is a very typical regulate, regulating tool to govern building form. And I will so, say this. So so I was going to say, so let's say uh, the the height that people are shooting for, let's say it's 600 feet for for a, a turbine tower. How does that compare to what is the maximum height or the standard height of, say, a, a silo in Douglas County? Oh. I, I, yeah, I can check on that. That's not something, you know, it's, it's obviously going to be significantly taller. Yeah, significantly taller and a lot more of them. So the, those, uh, I'd, I'd like to get that answer. Okay. Just to um, get some background information on the 1214 existing proposed draft. Part of why we used uh, meters and part of why we used hub height um, was when looking at industry specifications, not necessarily industry standards, but the um, like data sheet that will come in whenever we get a proposed application and include the manufacturer of the turbine, the energy output, length of blades, and the tower. It ultimately says on that specification sheet what the hub height is in meters. It is listed plainly in that way. So in transitioning to total height and by feet, there will be some calculations that are needed on the backside that it won't be as um, match the two pictures whenever it comes before the planning commission if any application were to, but that's just something to keep in mind is that it won't be, um, there'll likely be a series of decimals after because we'll be translating meters to feet no matter what should we move to feet instead. It shouldn't be too difficult just to give both numbers right side by side because I know a lot of the engineering is done in meters. So, you know, we know 60 meter hub height is 198 feet. I mean, these are kind of simple calculations. So we can just put one of them in parentheses after the other. That way, everybody's going to start getting an idea of what the meter to feet will translate into with these particular types of structures. And I actually wonder if total feet um, might, or total the total height might give um, applicants actually a little bit more flexibility 
I mean, in terms of changing technology, if we have a maximum height that everything's going to be at, then there's some, I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know, any choices between blade length and, and the actual tower height, um, the type of blades, you know, technology might be moving so that we have something that goes like this instead of something that goes like that. So I would guess that that might actually offer the industry a little bit more flexibility in building these things. If we cap whatever, what, which cap we choose. Does that in, in the future that, that may be the case. Mm -hmm. I think based on the technology that we're working with right now, um, I think there are going to be those instances based on what we know today. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to, because of the prefabricated designs of the equipment. And when you're putting, you know, a, a type of tower and a type of blade together, they may or may not be over or under whatever our threshold is. So they may at some point also be coming forward with the variance. That's, that's fine. We can adjust, we can deal with those kinds of questions. Um, and I don't want to sidetrack your discussion with, with, well, what does a variance mean? Um, you know, we're, we're working with what we know today about the industry and what may or may not be in the future. And so we'll just have to adjust to those things. So just in general, can we all agree that we want it feet? Well, the, the applications are going to come in in meters because that's how it works, but there, it's just, we'll, it can be presented and we can all discuss it in fields at public meetings. And I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but, you know, with the solar bags, we had any variance type requests went through the process of submitted to possibly the planning commission or directly to the county commission. So... Is that something that we're going to look at putting in here too? In the regulations right now, you do have language that suggests that um, that gives the authority to the county commission to do that. If that language is removed, then the the normal process per the adopted county code would be to seek a variance with the board of zoning appeals, right. and then they're going to have to meet those requirements of what a very, you know, what's the hardship, what's the unique circumstance. Um, we had, yeah, that was a, that was a multiple meeting discussion with the solar regs about how to do that. So I would like it to remain, it goes to the county commission, they can send it to the planning commission to review, get public comment, give a recommendation back to the county commission on the, but it just be part of the CUP process for each each one anyway. It's just if they want to come in and replace, you know, turbines with possible higher ones, but that would that would trigger it, the need for a new CUP too, wouldn't it? So most of it's going to be reviewed with recommendations from the planning commission anyway. But I kind of like to keep it self-contained that way because it's more predictable for everybody. Um, with these new emerging technologies, because this isn't the same as a CUP for a business, you know, ground level business. These are, I think, with the emerging technologies, we should keep that different process. Okay, are you are you referring to the part in here that says the county commissioners can decrease 
Yeah, and I and what I think is going to happen is most of those are going to be sent to us as a question um, to gather the public comment and to do explore whatever that means so they have better information. I don't think they're just going to say at, a, at one meeting, oh, yeah, we'll just increase by 100 feet with it and just blow everybody off. They won't do that. So the way the, the regulation is is written for height is right now is that the Board of County Commissioners may approve a greater height for individual turbines but not greater than 110 meter hub height. So they can increase the height up to a particular level, not beyond that. That's that's for height. The decrease I think is related to setback. Right. So it's difficult to not so, wave back and forth between these topics, but height. Just with height, part of that flexibility to the county commission came out of the solar regulations was because with the solar panels, we're trying to hug the contours of the land and to make up for not excavating or flattening the land, you might want to raise a panel when you go down saying that would exceed the maximum height. So there was a, there was a, a distance amount to try to equalize, to make them straight across without having to grade the, the land. So I can see, you know, that's that's kind of what was built into the solar and, and it's mimicked, I mean, it's mirrored in this language because it's pulled from the solar. So that's that's different from just saying all the turbines in one facility are going to be taller than what we agreed to. If it's some tied to individuals that try to, you know, have the heights about the same throughout the, the area without doing extra grading, that's that's why some of that flexibility is important. I, I do not want language in here that says the county commissioners can arbitrarily make decisions to reduce setbacks or arbitrarily make decisions to increase heights. That it, if there is a process that it goes through, or people can come and say, let's have input. Let's talk about this. That's what I want. But, and I, I have written everything in here and I'll have to go back and, and find it. Uh, I, I want it taken out. I, I don't want that in there where the county commissioners can just, and so, uh, or you say, well, they're not going to do. Well, it, it might be helpful to have it spelled out a little more about just what that process means because they aren't going to, they can't arbitrarily do those things. It has to be within the context of what's before them with all the public input, whether or not to do a variation that's within the scope of the regulations. But it might be, maybe our language has to be a little bit clearer about what that process looks like and in reality what it is. Because I know what we discussed and what we all think it means, but that doesn't mean future commissions are going to interpret the same unless we tighten up the language. So I've made note to um, follow up and get some process clarifications for you yeah maybe okay. maybe there's just a way to clean up the language to say here's you know we just 
maybe do a bullet point. Here's what the process is when the county council exercises that. Just what does that look like? Kind of like with conditional zoning in the city code, there's a, there's a set parameter to it. You're providing those guardrails to it that you don't exceed beneath or exceed above. Right. Yeah, and those are things that are going to be requested at the time when we see a full CUP application. You can you can bet the applicant's going to have that in there for given all the requirements that we end up with, if they want to put up, you know, X number of turbines, they're going to say this one needs to be a little bit higher to make this, this work with the rest of the, the rest of the facility. So I think most of this is going to come at the front end and it just grants a little bit of flexibility. But if we could specify just where the guardrails are, where the public input comes, you know, what the options are available to the county commission at the time, those types of things might be helpful to the public. So speaking of guardrails, um, um, I do want to spend at least a little bit of time talking about the number. Um, Commissioner Kelso, did you have, you have your hand continually up. So oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> there, it's lowered. I don't know if you had a comment, okay. Um, anybody online comment? Um, anybody want to talk talk a little bit about what the number it is we're trying to reach here? For the height? For the height. Thinking of total height. If we say the total height can be 110 meters converted, that it's for 582 feet or whatever it was that you did the first time. 360 feet. No, no, what the blade with the blade. Yeah, total height. Yeah. Um don't think well moving forward, you had directed that we were using meters and that conversion. So are you interested in just speaking in total height as far as feet for the rest of this conversation? Just to I, I am there. Okay. So we can um that would be six hundred and seventy feet to the top of the blade. If it's 110 meters at the hub and we leave the 50 meter, 50, okay. Well, now I'm off because I just said 50 meters instead of 50 feet. So it's even higher. And so with that clearance also, um, if drafting regulations to indicate total height, um, that math of what's a hub and what's a clearance isn't really needed anymore. So the, um, The 80 meters and 110, looking at different industry standards for those turbines, none of them reached 50 feet clearance. All of them were above 75 feet just because um, to work most efficiently, the wake of any blades, from what I've read at least, <clears throat> indicated that they don't want them very close to the ground because it slows them down, sort of makes them less efficient. So the <clears throat> clearance doesn't necessarily have to be as thought of as far as looking at how tall can an 80 meter hub height turbine ultimately be we're looking at our previous moving forward it's about 500 and then 110 is about 600 so in the current regulations we had uh shall be 80 the county commission 80 meter hub height uh the county commission could move it up to 110 if ultimately 
increased tower height better aligned with the purpose and intent of this section. That was sort of getting at, well, could they have ultimately fewer turbines if they were all just a little bit taller? That language isn't necessarily needed if you just set a single maximum height. So you could, um, as a body, decide where you want it to range. Between five to 600 is about what we have right now, but ultimately that's up to y'all. Um, there aren't a ton of other regulations that do ultimately regulate total height. So there aren't a ton of other regulations we can look at as far as like, what do other counties do? Um, I pulled together some information as far as the surrounding counties and then as well as the um, 10 most populated counties in Kansas to see what their regulations were. And there were only two in that body that had a maximum height, one of which is ultimately not a total height that can be reached. It was 200 feet. There aren't currently commercial scale turbines on the market for 200 feet total height. So that becomes an effective ban. Right. Just why setting a number that's uh, clearly achievable by looking at what's available to the industry right now, if that's the intent is important. When we're looking at examples, you know, there is the fact that we have a higher population in Douglas County. So could you look at counties maybe in other states? I mean, what are places like Rhode Island or Connecticut or other places that are more densely populated? What, are, what heights are happening there? Because if we're just looking at Kansas and we're looking out where the groundwater has been depleted, where all it is is, you know, rangeland heights out there can be looked at a little differently than you can when we have more residents. Well, so. and I think some of the research that CC was doing was that the, the quality of the, the available resource, the wind, has a different dynamic and a different type of machine that would be responsive to that. So that's why we did focus really largely on the state of Kansas of what is typical in the Midwest, because we're not going to be constructing the WEX like some of the coasts true. would be. So yeah, I, I can appreciate we have so many variables working with each other. Right. What is efficient, mm -hmm. possible. I'm just kind of curious about, you know, what some of the more populated areas just in general are doing with setbacks and heights when you've got a greater population in the area. I'm looking at the population density of Douglas County and see other counties that may be similar, and I'll look outside of yeah, because I Because we're trying to balance a lot of different variables. Yes. I, I appreciate that a lot. I think, but, um, I think we could expand our, our look a little bit, kind of neighborly, you know, Nebraska, Oklahoma, I may be, uh, Oklahoma may be too far to the wrong direction, but Iowa, I could see being in very similar lines. So kind of in that, in our neighboring area, the thing that would be a little bit of an interesting thing we'd also have to dig into is what do those state statutes enable and do not enable that we have to take a look at, because there may be things in other states that are louder than that we wouldn't have availability under our state statutes. Right. So that research would probably take us longer it's, it's doable. We just may not be able to have it in time to bring back as, as the commission well, would like. You know, the, the thing with the solar is it's going to take the time it takes right. to make sure we have it right. 
So I don't think we're bound to any specific timeline. We just have to have make sure what we put in place is workable and it has that degree of flexibility that we think is important, if that's what we think is important, that meets the requirements of our counting. So just one of the other, just one of the commission that may take us a lot longer than anticipate only because of the state statute coming to play. But and that's always important there. to but have that information. Yeah, so. yeah, I think it's important to look at other as densely populated places um, just to get an idea. It was also included in your packet um, in addition to the um, putting people's direct recommendations into the text, I also pulled uh, numeric data whenever people gave, I want the total height to be this, I want the direct to be that. So there's graphs in your packet. There weren't a ton of numeric data that was given within the public comment period. Uh, there was a lot of comments of general disinterest, but whenever people did provide change regulations to the X, I gathered that. And I, and from your graphs, your tables, it said the maximum height that for, for the public who submitted a height was 360 is what I saw was the maximum height that was suggested from public. There were a couple of different public comments. Are you looking at the text with the blue boxes? No, I'm looking at the summary here on that on that first page. Just looking at the highest one was 110 meters, which is 360 feet. Hmm. Um, was just the highest in that table. I thought that was the summary of the. Yeah, sorry, I'm looking at what you're looking at yeah. now. I was looking at total height. Yeah. I was just using yeah. my apologies for people who submitted direct numeric public comment. Yeah, so the highest would be that 360 feet plus whatever the blade length was because this is a hub height you're right the 110 meters suggested was the highest suggested that's 360 feet but that's hub height one person said that yes yeah. so if you added um the blade length that would i don't know how how long these blades are and then there were two other comments one person saying 120 total 120 feet total height was there okay. regulations other okay. 300 feet total height and the suggestion is 500 to 600 feet total height currently. That is consistent with what the current draft right. is. It'll be whatever numbers right about this body. So, but we want some more information on um, height in counties that mirror more Douglas County in terms of the population density. So if, if I could, unless there's any questions online, we have a number of other topics to talk about, noise um, and setbacks. So let's... Um, Switch over to noise, unless anybody has a connection. Okay, uh, noise. In terms of how it was regulated, there were a number of um, different ways that it could be regulated. Correct. Um, this was one that ultimately kind of surprised me in the open house and in the survey responses. So um, currently in the draft regulations, it lists out maximum decibel. I believe it's 50 decibels. Um, that's cumulative absolute maximum at the nearest non-participating property line as currently drafted. There was interest from the public responding to that survey question that they were more interested in changing how it was regulated to be um, identifying the ambient noise 
at a given property line, which we already have as a part of our regulations that in the application stage, they have to tell us what the existing conditions are. So it being existing conditions plus a decibel level agreed upon by the planning commission. Um, I've seen other regulations that have this type of language and it tends to be ambient noise plus 10 decibels, ambient noise plus 15 decibels. That's to say, um, heard a lot of public comments and general concern about um, the character of the area being very peaceful, very serene, quiet, and that not wanting to be interrupted. And so I think ambient noise and then identifying a decibel above that being the absolute maximum could get at that idea where someone maybe lives in a quieter 30 decibel average area yeah, 10 to that, it couldn't get any higher than 40. It does, however, mean that if folks live closer to, say, a highway and it were loud farm equipment or other sort of noisier things, if they're used to a 50 decibel lifestyle, then it would be 60 decibels at that property line measured from an ambient plus 10 or otherwise. I was actually the, curious that um, it was a maximum decibel that I believe the for public comment was the preferred. No, you have preferred noises, ambient noise plus that decibel. Um, although I was curious as to why um, there wasn't as much mention of day versus night, because I would imagine at night you would want a much lower um decibel so could there a few we had some yeah let's spoke to that and then we did have some um folks both in the open house and then from the survey data that were interested in that um day night measurements i think are um the way that day night measurements work is that night is weighed higher and i think that concept is just not as Frequently used within regulations, a little bit harder to measure for um, county enforcement folks, but ultimately um, it didn't get at that same uh, existing peace and quiet feel, at least at the open house when talking with folks. Um, they liked the idea of really emphasizing the character of their existing area, at least from my conversations. Okay. You know, it just makes me think of the difference of living in North Lawrence than out on the west side of town. I mean, where you got the train whistles all the time, or I mean, just the measure of ambient sound is that's a state of art. That's that, that's kind of a what is ambient sound for a particular area? I mean, it's different at different times of year, whether it's planting season or harvesting or or you've got a, you know, a train track, I don't know. There's existing um, industry standards, at least from a noise perspective on how those measurements are taken. It's not something we need to recreate the wheel right. or write right. kind of regulations to state, like take the noise measurement every hour for X period of time over so many conditions. Um, existing noise is hard to uh, fully gather, but I think that the way that, um, it's ANSI standards, I forget what ANSI stands for, but it's um, well-documented as far as what that means and how it's measured to make sure that it's measured correctly. That's the same like a traffic study. There are protocols from the engineers 
from, you know, the audio recordings. So we would be relying on those kind of, you know, that, that would be the report that we would expect from the applicant that they've had the professional document it, sign their name to it, put their seal on it, that kind of thing. Um, so it's not, it's not a, a one point in time. Right. It's what we do. We have to, we rely on what yeah. standards are right. set by the government all the time. I, I appreciate that. One, one, I do have decibel, the decibel scale is not a linear scale. It's a logarithmic scale. So if you're in a louder ambient noise place and you allow 10 decibels on top of that, that's going to be a lot louder there than a place that has um, a lower ambient measurement. So how, is there a way through the Oh, this is coming out of the EPA for these things, but is there a way with all of this that you you take that logarithmic scale into account so you're not suddenly jumping from what would be a washing machine to a to a small plane engine with the same increase in you know we go up ten or fifteen decibels can make a, a great a lot ten decibels is interpreted to the ear as about doubling in sound. Um, there are some regulations that have um, uh, this or this whatever's lesser measurement. So that might be ambient noise plus 10 or 50 decibels, whatever's lesser. And I, I think like that better. this yeah. body can decide if that's or the numbers associated. Sir. I mean, a lot of this, we're going to be pulling arbitrary numbers out until we actually see what's happening. I know that, but. Commissioner Hayden. Yeah, actually, that's a what I was going to get to, I, I am a little, as I sit here listening to a train go by, right. Um, I am, I'm just a little bit worried about the ambient noise and when, how are we defining that? I'd like more information about that. Um, but then also I really like the, whichever is lesser. So having two different measurements and, and um, I just want to make sure that the character of people's um, neighborhoods is really taken into consideration when we build these, because I think these are fabulous things to have, but they aren't the end all be all if people live in certain places for certain reasons and have other things going on besides just this stuff. And we really need to take that into consideration. And so I'd like to see a little bit more so that people had um, could present to whomever is the deciding body how it's going to change the character of their neighborhood versus just a decimal, right? Or a this plus a this. Um, but what is it like generally where they're at and what will this do to that? And with this noise, height, whatever it is, I'd like to um, have uh, places for people to be able to actually um, show the deciding body what this really means for them. So that's why I wanted to kind of present the idea of whichever's lesser. Yeah, I, I like that I, idea as well. I did look around for various regulations and I actually looked over in, in Europe um, where it's more densely populated and um, they go from 30 to 50 decibels, but I thought when initially reading this, the 50 decibels seemed a bit high <laughs> to me. So I like the idea of really establishing what the ambient noise is and then having that coming up with whatever that extra decibel is. But getting to 50 decibels in the country, I mean, if you're hearing that low sound constantly, I just, I can't imagine um, living out in the country with that coming in the background. So 
I think we need to be really careful about the noise uh, feature on these. And I'm also curious, and I don't know if this is, there were a couple comments in, in here about cumulative impacts. Is there a cumulative aspect to, to noise? Whereas you've got one turbine and you do all the measurements for the dwelling surrounding it. Um, but then there's, then there's the next turbine built. Is there a cumulative nature? So um, if you think about being in a room with three TVs on um, and they're all at the same decibel, um, from my understanding and not being a noise engineer because holy cow, they use a lot of very specific language in that field. Um, if it was at uh, 30 decibels sounds, they said with three of them, it ended up being about um, 32 to 33 decibels ultimately, which I was sort of surprised that it was um, not, uh, folks have talked about it being mm, additive where if there's one 50 decibel turbine, there's a second one that it's 100 at the property line. That is not accurate to how that works. Um, it is then slightly higher with additional, but as written, it's saying the total impact has to be under 50. So it, it doesn't matter if each of them are measuring at 50 and ultimately it's 53. That's then higher than the current number we have set. And I think it's of interest to keep that sort of an idea where the cumulative impact does matter, that it is ultimately the number used. And we ask for, um, goodness, you think of the amount of times I've gone through this document, I remember exactly where everything is. Uh, a detailed report expecting, a report detailing expected cumulative impacts caused by the CWEX project for that same reason, that it's important to understand how they are all together. And I think keeping that is of interest. So I, I can see that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Commissioner Kelso is up. Commissioner Kelso? Yeah, just a, a few things. One, it's, it's, I don't think it's a valid comparison to compare constant, continual noise to a train going by. The, the train going by, it's a, it's a one-time event. Maybe it happens one time a day, five times a day, 10 times a day. It's not constant. This is going to be constant noise. And uh, uh, 50 decibels total is not that much noise. So we just have to be careful there. And then uh, there's a difference between a simulation and like the, I'm sure there's many tools out there uh, for companies like this that, okay, we're going to put X number of turbines in this X, Y number of square feet or miles. And we know that one does this many decibels for at this distance and cumulative is going to make a difference there. But comparing that to, okay, what happens when we put it in the real world, when it goes up the, the who's going to measure it as let's say it gets approved and it's in and we're two years down the road who's going to measure it how often is that going to get measured where is it going to get measured because i would would guarantee that the people excuse me that live close they're going to do their own measurements and as soon as it goes over then uh something's going to happen uh, so all of those need to, to to come into effect as to how we craft this. And then also, I don't, re and I haven't seen this, and I, I, I will admit I haven't gotten through the whole multi-hundred page document yet. Do we talk about frequency in hertz 
of that ambient noise because the lower that frequency gets, the more uh, potential we have to screw with somebody's inner ear or literally their well-being as, as, as it, it even could get to a frequency that some people can't hear, but it can screw with them. Sounds like he's speaking to enforcement a bit and um, the county planning staff um, heard that as a concern in the last planning commission meeting and through public comment. And they've been working um, in that group to um, really figure out what they can enforce, how it would work, and then how it would look. And so I think that that's um, something that they're interested in talking to the planning commission more about, not necessarily today, but I think that that is important as Commissioner Kelso said, as far as the um, low frequency sound, we don't currently in the draft regulation speak to Hertz. Um, that wasn't a frequent um, style of language I saw in a lot of other regulations. Uh, that doesn't mean that we can't, if that's of interest, we do speak to um, no, noise caused by operating turbines shall not cause adverse low frequency sounds, which disrupt non-participating property owners, which intended to get at that low frequency noise. Um, there was public comment received interested in having um, two regulatory numbers as far as a weighted or that higher frequency and then C weighted that lower frequency. There are some regulations that speak to that. Um, part of why that was not included in the 1214 draft just had to do with speaking with the county staff and what they thought they'd be able to enforce. Um, but that may have changed since our first conversation, depending on how interested the planning commission is, we can always put that into a second draft or otherwise. I think the enforcement piece, I mean, runs through the whole thing yes. um, in terms of the procedure, who, who's, who needs to be reported to, how do these um, complaints or concerns get to somebody who can actually do something that's, uh, that would, I imagine, be a piece somewhere in here. Yes. The free, is the frequency level part of the spec sheets for the, in the, for a particular a good question. Turbine. I think it would be because Commissioner Kelso just jogged in old memory. They were using subsonics in haunted houses back in the late 70s to increase Cookies. that, that <laughs> anxiety, fear, anxiety. I mean, so there, there we, we know that's there. And then they banned that because it was causing a lot of problems. But <laughs> Okay, any um, comments, um, more comments on noise before we turn um, and have a discussion about setbacks? Uh, Commissioner Hayden. I just wanna say, I also think that we ought to look into frequencies. I'm not, I couldn't quite figure out whether or not staff had been directed to think about that. Um, but if, um, if that's the conversation that we're having at the moment, I, I too would be interested in that. Okay. It'd be good to have the information so we can decide what or what not to include. So just. Is that something that's provided? Do we is that do we know what it is for different types of turbines? Well, looking through other regulations for the other sort of pieces that have been asked, I'll keep an eye on that to see. Um, haven't yet seen frequency regulated, but that doesn't mean it isn't there. Um, yeah, before we go on to setbacks, I just want to do the kind of the reminder of this really great discussion and, and you're moving us along really great too. Um, but this meeting goes until nine and unfortunately we will have to stop at nine because there'll be another meeting that takes place in here right at, at that time. 
Yep, I'm 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 watching. So um, setback. Uh, so um, it did seem that in the public comment that uh, total the what was it? You had the percent of height versus um, just a distance in feet, and that seemed to be preferred. That distance in feet. Correct. Distance in feet. Similar to what's currently. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Setback comments. Questions. I'd like to start with the shadow flicker. Why? Why was it in the original? Well, it's in here too. About a certain number of hours that flicker could go onto a another property. Thirty. Where did that? I know. Where did that come from? It seems so arbitrary that for thirty hours we can cast a shadow on here. That, that was part of the background research, looking at other regulations and trying to find kind of a middle ground of what was being considered. Shadow flicker isn't included in, uh, regulating shadow flicker wasn't included in a majority of regulations. However, it seemed, referring uh, to the public and the planning commission that it is a major concern and how it affects nearby property owners. So 30 came from um, Riley County, Kansas, regulated shadow flicker, and there were a couple others that I don't have offhand, but the number they used was 30. Um, should that number feel too high? I think it's absolutely like you've room to change it. It was just a starting point. Well, that's why I suggested earlier on that we do shadow maps, because to me, putting a flicker onto somebody else's property, that's that's pretty intrusive right there. And our setback should take that into account that we don't don't subject, you know, an adjacent property to this potentially adverse impact, which we can manage with our setback requirements. We can keep it from happening. I think that um, in low sun situations, shadow flicker um, can affect properties farther away extremely far away to a point where to say no shadow flicker shall affect um could be hard to establish an area where a turbine could go might it's wrong, that, but that becomes but it means the setback would have to be farther i mean to a non-participating property to the north you'd have to be farther south so it doesn't go because we know where the and the farthest shadows are going to be east, west, and north, and the shortest shadows are always going to be south. So it's there's also uh, buildable um, fencing, tree lines, other things that in the regulations is currently written. So we're a little bit jumping around setback to shadow flicker. I recognize how they're well, connected. To me, they're very much connected as part of setting what the setback is. That's a that's a very intrusive impact. Um, well, I think that's where this hours comes from. Yeah. I mean, the setback for no shadow flicker would be. Wait, I don't know. What that's effectively is. prohibitive. Prohibitive. Ten thousand feet. Yeah, some, that's that's the number I've heard. Maybe. Um, so but, that's where the hours come from. But also that, depends on the terrain, and mm -hmm. if there is a tree line, some of those you know we've got taller trees. I mean, the farther out you are and you got tall trees, that shadow doesn't get past the trees. So I don't know what, what they would be for any particular place. 
which is where the shadow maps come in. I mean, that would be That's the placement of the turbine. You do it, ask the, and I believe that was in the regulations. Yes, they would have to mean by that calculations. But but what we need to decide is what those hours or recommend what those hours should be. There were also public comments speaking to minutes per day. Yes. If it was of interest, the body could change how that measurement's taken. Absolutely. Were there many comments on that? I don't hours versus minutes. I don't. I don't remember reading many comments on minutes a day versus hours. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. They have a feeling minutes, hours, thirty hours a year versus five minutes a day. Yeah, that's yeah. Better. Yeah. Some better hypotheticals to look at. Because to me, you know, a stationary structure, and you know where the shadow just moves across, that's one thing. But it's another thing if it's light on, light off, light on, light off for the whole time. I don't think it's it's feasible to, um, there were some suggestions um, that the blades cease spinning um, at particular times. I think that probably gets really complicated. I think that can be done when we get to things like wildlife and bird collisions. I think there's um, some opportunities for for shutdown, but I don't know um, if there's really opportunities. It should all be computerized and they shut down for to do it. I don't see what's so hard about it, actually, not with what the technology is now. You have your shadow map. Hmm. Your computer says turbine number 12 shuts down between these times and then turns back on it would be good to know if that i mean how how possible is that how flexible is a grid where you could say turbine number 12 could shut down for even a half an hour or an hour or is there a is there a minimum and maximum or a yeah minimum so we can't shut it down and start it back up if we're only going to shut it down for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. But would an hour work? Would a two hours work? Would a three hour mm-hmm. window work? And how precise could a grid be in terms of turning on and turning off? It's all controlled by a schedule via a computer somewhere. So it's not, it shouldn't be an issue at all. Well, I, I don't know in terms of the technology. I mean, to power one of those things down and power up. The, the rig, uh, oh, sorry. That, uh, well, go ahead, and then Commissioner Hayden. The regulations need to be written for the people, not for the power company. What is convenient for them, what they can do, what works for them. Well, if we shut it down for a half hour, then it just doesn't work for us. I'm Fine. talking about what's technologically feasible. Blink, it's all. Well, I don't know if we know that. We, we, we can follow up on that, and, and um, I have a contact with... Uh, I want to say it's Black and Beach, um, who does the engineering, the design of it. So not talking to a provider, not talking to an operator, talking to an engineer about what is capable. So I can reach out to them and ask that question. And earlier you had asked about public comments specific to Shadow Flicker. It's on page 45 of your packet, but I put it on the screen as well. Mr. Hayden. 
Yeah, I think I think everybody kind of said what I was going to say, but that's what I'm kind of thinking is this needs to be about um, the the people. And so figuring out what they, what can be done would be really helpful. I understand it may be expensive. I understand it might not be what they want to do, but um, intruding on somebody else's property or having a shadow over it for eight hour, an eight hour limit will if that eight hours is during the day, or if it's constant on and off, on and off, like that, those are huge impacts on non-participating landowners. And so um, I definitely would want more information on what can be done and hope that we'll err on the side of making those kinds of things be done for the non-participating landowners. Thanks. I'm bringing us back up towards setback. If you want to... Uh, Speak to that with the remaining time that we have. Out of this, 12 people suggested essentially a mile, 19 people suggested between two and 3,000 feet setback. Uh, one person said 500 feet. Of those that gave numbers, yes. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. It need, in my opinion, I would certainly urge us to go much larger than 1,500 feet. And are you speaking specifically to uh, distance of setback to non-participating property owners property line? Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. I, I, if I may ask a clarifying question, just to get it on the record. Um, all of our measurements and our recommendations are based on a measurement from the property line. There is a request from specifically NextEra to be measuring not from the property line, but from a residence. Right. All of our regulations in the county, we measure from property set from property line. So I just want to put that out there. I'm, I'm with the property line because if we do from existing dwellings, are we saying, okay, now we're taking away the possibility or the desirability of building it, you know, dividing off a parcel and building another dwelling that might be closer to an existing turbine. So I, I'm, I would go with the existing property lines. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just because we don't know how those properties are going to change right. over time. Um, new buildings, why would we new take away flexibility. Right. Yeah. The non-participating property owners. So, yeah. I needed to ask it. Yeah. And we also in the 1214 draft have a setback to the nearest participating property owners dwelling. Um, Next era had also made comments interested in having it be um, slightly different in language. Uh, primary. Residence is what they said. Mm -hmm. Occupied residence. Yeah. Yeah. I think that yes. would be difficult to, um, we don't have that map. Where mm -hmm. People are, aren't occupied. We just know where structures are. It's, yeah, yeah there's, there's also, I did look in the county code about how we use the word dwelling, residence and occupied res residence. The only time we use occupied resident is when we are talking about daycare operations. The only time that phrase is used in the code. 
Otherwise, it's dwelling or residence. And you can have multiple types of dwellings on a property, as we all know. You could have a, you know, the farm residents, you could have the um, you know, additional workers. You, we, you know, we're now talking about accessory dwelling units. A lot of that kind of language and just trying to be consistent through the codes. But yes, you know, generally, um, you know, when we talk about the setback from the non-participating properties, you know, overwhelmingly it, it, the public comment was for a higher setback than the 1500. 1500 again is taken from what I would refer to as kind of model language. What the most typical setback that we see other communities using in this kind of setting. Um, the, the if we make an extraordinary setback, two miles, a mile, um, we, we're starting to enter the, the category of being effectively prohibitive. Right. So just keep that in mind as you move through this discussion. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Kelso? Yes, I was going to say that I agree with it being property line, not to the dwelling itself. And does dwelling, and I think this was just barely touched upon like a couple minutes ago, does that cover any business-related things that are located out in the county? So I, not just say farming operations, but there may be some people that have business out there and you've got X number of folks that work there every day is that uh, does dwelling cover that? Dwelling would not cover that. Um, that would that would be a, a, a non-residential structure of some sort. I think it probably should include that because yeah. you're uh, affecting a mm -hmm. quantity of people 24 yeah. hours a day that they work there. We just approved that marine, uh, the milling shop at Warden. We just did that a couple of weeks ago that that would not be covered otherwise. There's some uh, public comment that spoke to libraries or other public buildings and having interest in that sort of language being added. And cemeteries, churches. So yeah. the um, next part sort of once we get through the dwelling and adding that language, there were, um, that was one of the spaces within the um, draft regulations, the blue text, the black and blue text. Um, um, that was the space where we had the most um, unique, um, Sorry, I'm zooming around so fast. Uh, where we had the most yeah. unique comments, where um, in addition to what was currently regulated, folks also wanted to see um, setbacks to environmental, uh, environmentally sensitive land, Clinton um, Lake, libraries, churches, cemeteries, um, airports, airstrips, city limits. Santa Fe Trail. There were yeah. um, archaeological sites, mm -hmm. Native American sites. Yeah. They're all in there. All in the comments. <laughs> in addition to the, um, you know, four things we list out within the twelve fourteen draft, where setbacks are taken from, the public comment lent to maybe we have additional 
language additional bullets that speak to each of those different pieces. Um, yes. That's where you had that additional set back suggestions. The only yeah. little bit in orange. This spoke to specific recommendations for additional setbacks or Lone Star Lake, Clinton Lake, um, other things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So I think that was also part of what I wanted in this conversation. We want to regulate setback to additional things other than just property line wellness. Well, I, for one, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about um, being too specific all of, uh, and having setbacks. Because I can imagine, so one of the ideas is you, get, you can't put, it has to be setback. One of the comments was setting back from a floodway, let's say, or floodplain. But I'm wondering, we're, we're going to have so many setbacks that one setback is going to shove it into yet another area. Um, that might be of more importance. So I'd, I want to be able um, to give some flexibility. Uh, how can I say this? Where we say, okay, we're, we're setting, we're, we've got it in the regs that it's a setback from this item. Um, we don't have a setback from this item, but that's what we're really worried about. Well, because if we're talking about, if we've got some concerns about a migratory bird pass, for, for instance, we don't want to have it set back from a sensitive land and put it in the migratory path, because that might be worse. That, that's the kind of thing. I'm so, and I, I will remind you that this use falls into the category of a conditional use permit. So it does allow the planning commission to make additional recommendations. The idea of the code is to go ahead and set out that framework of you know, those, those baseline measurements. And as a conditional use permit, you can um, add those additional things. And if we, what we are looking for is guardrails, to say, okay, in addition to these base setbacks, these are also important aspects that we're going to consider an applicant be on notice. You may have additional setbacks to comply with. So that's one way to look at it. That's kind of like the case by case. Very good yeah. point that we set one, but if we could put a list, it's a non-inclusive sure. list, mm -hmm. such as these and any other item that might be brought to the attention of the commission. And that way, you know, the goal here is as, as Sandy just said, to have the guardrails, but the conditional use process for any particular application is our chance to modify and adapt to where the request is for to minimize the any adverse effects. That's why it's a conditional use. So gosh, we're 15 minutes out, but I'm a hard stop. Um so uh I want to I promised a discussion about timeline, um, but also um maybe just a couple minutes on any particular things that the commissioners had of concern that were uh, maybe beyond height, noise, and setback. I know I have just a couple things that I'll just throw out there, but won't discuss because we don't have the time. Um, but I'll ask if there was a particular item. 
One. Well, I know I'm just like, I'm, I'm just sort of like, let's get it out there, but we won't have time to go do a deep dive into any of these. And then so, I'm going to leave my, which is going to come up in the time. I'm going to leave my timeline. So, wonky yeah. yes, the table right now. Okay. There's some definitions. Mm -hmm. There's a lot. Yeah. And now, sure. the comments yeah. about definitions. I yeah. yeah. think we need to discuss, mm -hmm. but that might be the Monday night meeting. Yeah. Um, which we'll get to when we talk to it, like things like transmission lines. I have a lot of questions about transmission lines. Um, personal WECs, can they be allowed for planned residential neighborhoods? Because uh, uh, we don't have a, a middle ground here for using um, uh, uh, using uh, wind power. Um, you've got it in there for industrial parks and business parks, mm -hmm. but I'm curious about residential areas for the personal, the per, more the smaller size. Can we be prepared to explain what processes we have in place now for substation placement? Substations and transmission lines. Because yeah. yeah. well, transmission lines are a little bit. I, well, that's sudden, why I want to have a discussion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when it leaves our authority, uh, yeah. uh, we can work with substations. Mm -hmm. but you don't have, we have trouble. And I know you mentioned personal WECs. That was a, a topic that somebody brought up and uh, we have not discussed that really at all that is a and the person that did it made a suggestion said how did the 65 foot height and the 50 kilowatts come into play uh, is there a reason for that rather than what this person suggested was a uh, hundred feet hundred kilowatt I, I don't think we've looked at that but I think we have got to sit and look at that in these regulations. So that would be a, a an important topic for me also. Whether, whether we want to set that as our first amendment to this, <laughs> or we want to get these the large, the largest scale up because we have that hole in the solar regulations also, which is how it got pretty much mimicked here mm -hmm. right now. So we do have to have that discussion about this middle middle area for both solar and wind. I thought the Audubon Society's comments, and they made several throughout this, struck me as things I had certainly not thought about, but important just on the language. So that's something that, I mean, it, it needs time. We, For me, there, there's got to be a lot more time where we sit down, make some decisions, give it back to the public and say, here, what what do you think of this? Yes, hold that thought, Charlie, because that's where we're going. Let me get Commissioner Kelso in terms of like throwing out a detail um, that's top of your mind. Yeah, the I think Charlie was maybe trying to get there. Big a lot of concerns I have, and this goes back to my schooling forty years ago. Is every wind turbine, if if just left there and turned on, it's going to fail at some point. There's a mean time between failure of the blades. The average industry standard is 20 years. Uh, so um, what we need to make sure we put in here, what the uh, what the inspection process, once, once something's in the ground, how it's, it's like who's inspected? Obviously, I, I would assume the company that runs it is going to, but how do, how do we as a county inspect it? And the things that fail and will fail, like over 20 years, the, the blade, it could snap and fly. 
I mean, that that doesn't happen that often, but it does. How far is that going to go? We've heard from public comment, the blades aren't bare metal. They're covered in a substance, one, to protect it from weather. Uh, two, it'll protect the glint uh, uh, of the sun off that. But again, that's paint. That's a, a covering. It laminates and it flies off. How far is what's what's the average distance for that as it's as it's flying off from say the circumference of the tower itself? That's an environmental thing. You're putting a substance onto the ground, things like that. We've heard from some people about the amount of liquid, whether oil, uh, trans, uh, hydraulic fluid, whatever, is in each one of these turbines. Again, it's going to fail. Who's inspecting it? Who's going up there? and making sure there's no leaks, how often has that changed, all those things like that, that I know it's it's ironic that we talk about wanting uh, non-carbon uh, producing uh, energy forms, but yet there's still some environmental impacts that we've got to deal with with these non-carbon burning energy forms, such as wind farms. So it's a, we, need to, we need to factor in all of that. Thank you, Commissioner Kelso. And now let's turn to the start of um, talking about timeline. So we're expected to hear this March 20th. We've barely touched the surface here. We have just barely um, gotten into this. So Charlie, you were saying, I interrupted you. I Somehow I think we, and I'm just gonna say the planning commission then, I think you guys, I said this before the meeting, I think you guys, and you pointed at CC and said she is the, the brain trust here, have done a great job of pulling all this together, saying, here's what we found. It, it is not saying this is what you want, but this is what you're hearing. But I think we need to sit down, come up with another the first one was 28 pages long, and I think I heard you mention that earlier about the 28 pages. We need to come up with another, if it's 12 pages, 50 pages, whatever it is, come up with it with changes that we have considered based upon all the input. Give it out to everybody. Distribute this. Uh, I, I don't care if we set it out at the every township hall in the county, set it out at these, let everybody come pick it up, look at it, re-meet with people, say, now give us input on this. But I think it is so critical that, that we hear uh, what people are saying and the universal comment has been, Gosh, we didn't find out about it. Maybe it was in the journal world. We don't take the journal world. Maybe it was on the Douglas County website. We don't look at that. But I, I think we've got to come up with another packet, give it to everybody, and meet. So how we come up with this, I, I don't know. But uh, You're speaking to a second draft. Well, yeah. A second draft. Yeah. It has to and, be a second draft. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so we would definitely come up with a public process to get it distributed. Certainly our social media, certainly our website, uh, making copies available to, you know, at our office, at the county offices. We can do all of those things. That's, that's a, a perfectly achievable piece. I need to know what changes you want and 
when you want them by. And we're not there yet. <laughs> I was gonna say I'll turn my changes in again and yeah. say, here's what I here's what right. I want. But I think it's gonna incumbent for all of us yes. to get together. Yes. And and come up with something. So that's part of what we're doing. You know, we've got a list of things that you know that we're marking down from this discussion. I'm certain we're gonna have more that we will add to the list from whenever you talk about it next, if that's the twentieth. If you want to have a separate study session for this, I was going to ask if there was another point. And let me uh, let me bring um, Commissioner Rexroad in. Hi, thanks. Um, I'm going to try this. This is too noisy. Tell me, um, I, I, just a couple things. One, I, I want to take a moment and thank Sandy and CC um, and the work you guys have done above and beyond um, to make sure you're listening to and gathering feedback. The work you put into this is really incredible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I, I've heard pretty consistently the feedback we get from um, our community that um, they feel that even though we followed the process and maybe even gone beyond, not, not maybe, have absolutely gone beyond what a normal process um, asks for, uh, they still feel that more time is needed for them to be heard, for them to understand the complexity that, you know, the number of times that we've gone through, we're still trying to get our arms around. So I just want to throw out the idea that we open the window um, a little bit longer than, than what we currently have um, scheduled for a formal decision. Um, and that in that time, you know, ideas like what Charlie offered, where we, we put um, regs out in places for people to consume it, but maybe even go farther than that and to find ways that we as commissioners can go out and meet the public, both to hear what they're saying, but also to help convey where we are in the process and maybe why some of the regs are what they are. Um, uh, there's so much inf misinformation out there, some of it just because of the complexity, some of it willful, but try to get at that and, and uh, a little longer time frame might enable it. So stop with that. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioners. We, I, so I think we heard a little enough of that, but in the minutes that remain to us, what would that look like um, in terms of uh, additional study sessions, um, additional meetings? What, what I, does that put us? I think um, there's nothing compelling you to make a decision on the 20th. That's not a hard line anywhere in any of this. We had scoped out a schedule based on previous discussions, knowing full well as we were approaching this meeting, that was kind of out the window. Mm -hmm. So what is it from here? Um, we've got, I've got a list, I don't know what CC's list, I've got a, about five specific things to do some additional research on. CC may have more or less to that list. Um, I think it's still going to be helpful to hear what the planning commission has to say about some of these things. Um, we have still been getting some public comment. Um, we tried to create, a, you know, kind of a cutoff so we could assimilate all of that and give you some feedback of what we're hearing. We're hearing, give us a, a maximum height in a number, give us, um, you know, a greater setback that, you know, so we're, we're definitely hearing those messages. Um, on the 20th, <laughs> if we want to start like, continue this conversation as it was, as we sort of got stopped because of time, but then start at definitions and then move into PWEX and just start 
down. Um, whenever I worked on wind regulations in Missouri, that was sort of how, once we got to this level, once everyone had read yeah. the regulations and really understood what your intent and purpose was behind it, just starting at the top and then moving through. And so that may mean that after we start really changing things, we publish a draft to of just these two sections, recognize that the rest hasn't changed and then build from there. It could look a couple different ways, but I absolutely agree that additional drafts, all of which then are made available for public comment, all of which then are available for both website and to print it off access will be important. I just wanna say one last thing. I know a lot of people are gonna watch this meeting. It's been advertised, <laughs> watch this meeting. Um, there is no cutoff for public comment, period. So whatever you have something that you want to submit, get it into Sandy and CC. It will get out to the commissioners um, or send it to everybody at once. That works too. It gives us a little less to read each time. But um, yeah, I, I just want to get that across. Public comment never ends because we have to have that feedback. The dedicated email address is windregs at lawrenceks.org. All of it gets funneled in. So on March 20th, we should expect to start to go through these. That is your fault, but that would okay. be our suggestion. Yes. Okay, so we will start doing it, and we'll see how far we get um, with that. So thank you. We have the excellent room. Thank you yes. all. Thank you, everybody, for coming and listening. Thank you. We'll see you on the 20th. Thank you, everybody.